is the Movie Hall of Fame Class of 1979 for Friday, April 19th, 2019. Adam Hall, we're back at it, baby. Finally. Only took us, like, three years, I think. Is well, that how long it's been? Yeah, it's I mean... It's been a long time. Your, uh, your cartilage decided to <laughs> give you fits. That's, show, that's so. My cartilage, that, that, that's a way to describe it. That well, makes it That's sound, my understanding of it. It just makes it sound gross. Like, the cartilage in my system is, is acting up. Accurate. I mean, yeah. Tell me where that's wrong. Well, that's yeah, exactly but, what happened. But, but you could specify, like, my ribs were bothering me or something. Adam's ribs yeah, were, there you were bothering him. That's, that's correct. I was, I was in the ER, and I couldn't come in and, and, and record this wonderful podcast because I couldn't breathe. I was dying, man. I was, I was, I was, I was on my way out. And then I, I thought of the fact that we need to debate 1979, and it saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the original Adam's rib gave life to the earth, and your Adam's rib is almost killing this podcast. So it's quite ironic. <laughs> but we we came out of it pretty unscathed. How is it killing this podcast? Well, we had to take a week off, but we're oh, back that's now. True. Was it was it Adam's rib? I they took the rib of Adam. God did, you know, in the biblical sense. I don't know if you're up on your Bible shit. And then he created Eve out of that. Yes, that's true. Okay. Yeah. That's correct. Well, yeah. Okay. He created womanhood. Yeah. Let's be more specific. You said ruins the earth. Well, that's... Did you say ruins or gives life? It gives life to the earth. earth. And now your rib is taking life away from this podcast. That's true. You see what the problem is? So what am I, the Antichrist or something? Yeah. I don't... uh, Was that not clear? <laughs> do, do I not tell you that enough? No, you I'm don't. So, okay. No, we need everyone to call me the Antichrist. We need Zach and Nick to just just band together and just admit that yeah, I'm I'm gonna destroy the world. Someday. I think I hinted at that when we talked about Rosemary's Baby a few weeks ago. I am Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Look in my eyes. That's where he went. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That crib was so uncomfortable. Most deaf. Um, we're back, though. Back at it again. Mm-hmm. The year is 1979. Six films are nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame, but only one of them will earn a coveted spot. This is shaping up to be an excellent crop um, uh, of inductees. There are a number of excellent films that have been put in already. Yep. And now we're going to have to fight this one out. Mm-hmm. One of these six will find their way into the crop. Your nominees are Kramer versus Kramer, The Muppet Movie, Being There, All That Jazz, Apocalypse Now, and Alien. One of them is getting in, Adam. Five of them are not. How sad. Very sad. Because these are great movies. <laughs> great movies. You mentioned this is one of your favorite movie years of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Right about that. It's it's just stacked. It's just like wow, like because even films that uh, didn't make the cut for the nominees, I was actually really disappointed with. This is one that like like hurt me a bit because uh, a few, I guess, I guess we could say these are honorable mentions because we toiled with them for a while. We we had to leave out Mad Max, Life of Brian, and Manhattan. Let me give you the full list of also rands. It it is the longest one that I've compiled by a long mile. Here they are. The Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. Breaking Away, The China Syndrome, <laughs> Escape from Alcatraz, Ooh. a movie that we love, yep. The Great Santini, Hardcore. You ever seen Hardcore about the hardcore porn? Um, Have you? Yes. 
underrated, excellent uh, Paul Schrader movie. Oh, okay. Really good. Uh, the In-Laws, one of my favorite comedies of all time. Okay. It's so good. Another underrated one. The Jerk, which is a movie that I don't like, but is an iconic for Steve Martin's career. I like it. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of can't stand it. Mad Max, as you said, Monty Python's Life of Brian. <clears throat> yep. A movie that we have reviewed on Why Is This a Thing? <laughs> yes, we one have. One that you love. Oh, yeah. Always look on the bright side of life. Mm-hmm. Rocky Two came out that year. Stalker, a movie that you love. I adore Stalker. Love Stalker, and you should see it eventually if you can, you know, stomach how absolutely slow that movie is. Okay. The Warriors come out and play. Also came out that year, and as you said, Manhattan. Yeah. Absolutely stacked year. It's incredible. This is, yeah, this could be one of my favorite years, if not my favorite. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, it is up there as one of like the five most stacked movie years. I think there's something about the years that end in nine. (laughs) <laughs> I think a lot of yeah, good sh- 1999 had a lot 79 had a lot 69 has two iconic movies that we'll be talking about yeah what came out in 1989 mm. oh I don't know 89 hmm. I guess 2009 didn't have anything good either well I guess Avatar and the Hurt Locker yeah well w- worth talking about anyway yeah so yeah I guess that's true yeah it's yeah it's close there's a few, let's hope uh, 2019 is like like makes up for whatever the fuck happened last year. Oh, that's right. We're in it now. We're yeah. in another year that ends in nine. Holy shit. Yeah, definitely happening. I can't wait. Sure. <laughs> I hope. I have no idea what's coming out that's any good, though. Well, there's a little movie by a guy named Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's coming out at some point. Another Star Wars movie coming out. What's Star Wars? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's like the Avengers, but they have laser swords i've never heard of it that's how i've never heard of her that's how, i've never heard of her. <laughs> by the way <laughs> side note mandalorian did you see the footage yeah verner <laughs> verner's in verner in all his glory <laughs> holy shit yeah you were you were having some you were having a great time weren't you dude i was nerding the fuck out <laughs> dude bill burr is in this I shit know, like what bill the- burr as I, I saw someone on reddit call him old billy bounty hunter <laughs> it just got me so pumped is he playing wait wait he's playing a, a bounty hunter i don't know he has a gun of some kind that'd be great the guy who gets his head crushed in is playing the main one right Pedro Pascal. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, that is him. Yeah. I only refer to him as the guy who gets his head crushed. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um. Even though I've never seen that episode. But still, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. Uh, the Red Viper, as we call him. Oh. Oh. Okay. That's what his name is. But poor, yes. Poor fellow. Poor fellow. Poor eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent movie year. Here were your nominees for Best Picture that year. Yeah. Norma Ray, mm-hmm. Breaking Away, Apocalypse Now, All That Jazz, and you win it for Best Picture, Kramer versus Kramer. Okay. Pretty good. Very good. Solid. Okay. Yeah. They did a solid job there. They got it right. For the most part. But it's the 70s. And wait for the 70s to go out in a bang. Holy shit. Yeah. 70s were just awesome. Awesome year. Uh, best Director, your nominees, uh, Eduardo Molinaro for La Cage Ox Foles. Okay. I have no idea what that is. (laughs) Peter Yates for Breaking Away, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Apocalypse Now, Bob Fosse, all that jazz. Your winner is Robert Benton for Kramer vs. Kramer. Dustin Hoffman wins for Kramer vs. Kramer for Best Actor. As is Meryl Streep for Best Actress. Best Actress. Robert Benton also takes home Best Adapted Screenplay. Wow. Is this a big five? 
pretty damn close, but by technicality, Meryl was a supporting actress and not a lead. What? So who? that keeps it away from the big five sweep. So who? What? What yeah, are you talking she about? She was a supporting actress that year. She was not a lead actress. Sally Field won for Norma Ray. This was the oh. you love me, you really love me year. Oh. That was that speech. That's kind of weird. Yeah. So it came very close to being the fourth sweep. I kind of consider it a sweep. Um, it's pretty damn close. I yeah, mean, but it's not quite there. Yeah. Yeah. The only other ones to do it, it happened one night, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and silence of the lambs. Yep. One all big five major categories. Um, yeah. Technically it doesn't happen. Uh, Melvin Douglas takes home best supporting actor for being there. Um, oh, there's your okay. list. We'll get to it. I don't think it's that egregious of a of a winning class. Pretty good Oscar year, I would say. Wow, uh, we, we stumbled upon a good one here. Even though you were freaking out when I mentioned this one to you, I was. Yeah. Um, your top ten highest grossing movies of that year. What do you think number one was? By a mile, by the way. Mm, number one. Yeah, it's not Alien, is it? No, no. Kramer versus Kramer. Wow. $106 million, highest grossing movie of the year. Holy shit. Ahead of Amityville Horror, Rocky II, Apocalypse Now, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Alien at number six, 10, The Jerk, (laughs) Moonraker, Muppet Movie. Okay. That's your top 10. Kramer versus Kramer, though. A critical darling, Oscar darling, and box office darling. Very rare. Yeah, no. Cultural a, phenomenon, that movie. It's pretty crazy. It doesn't happen very often. Although there's a lot of people that I've had to introduce that movie to recently. Yeah. Which is nice. Which is a good way of like learning about the world. We'll talk about it when we get to it. Yeah. Um, National Film Registry, of course, inducts the most culturally relevant movies. There are a number of the movies that we nominated in that list, including Alien, All That Jazz, Apocalypse Now, Being There. The Muppet Movie. The Muppet Movie. Manhattan finds its way on there. We didn't nominate it. Um, also Boulevard Nights, Norma Ray, and The Black Stallion. Kramer versus Kramer, not in the National Film Registry. Interesting. How man. the hell does that work? I don't know. What's that about? I don't understand how th- their lists work sometimes, but someone was like, uh, what, like it hasn't done enough? I don't know. It's the highest grossing movie of that year. It nearly swept the Oscars and is still watched on cable to yeah. this day. I don't know what, and it's got like great performances in it. I like, guess. What, what about that is not... Why is the Black Stallion more culturally relevant than Kramer versus Kramer? Excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm missing what this process is. I kind of like the Black Stallion. I've never seen it. It's, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, neither have I seen Boulevard Nights or Norma Ray. I've never seen them either. Okay. So it's okay. Um, here's the deal. Let's, let's be transparent about this. Well, actually, let's first talk about this. What do you want to say about Mad Max? Oh. Really quickly. It, well... It, I, I have to mention the fact that uh, I mean I I, I love uh, the the original Mad Max reg- regardless of its many flaws, uh, and I think there's a, a ton to talk about in the way it influenced uh, Australian cinema and how important it is for for all the people who worked on it, most notably George Miller and of course Mel Gibson. We would not have either of them if it wasn't for that movie, and it's one of the, another one of those films that's kind of mimicked or, or ripped off constantly by other filmmakers it is yep uh i think it's a little dated though yeah there are elements of the, that are that are a little dated i would agree it's not the most dated like uh, a first time feature of of uh of some of my favorite filmmakers though i would say 
that I can still watch that movie and enjoy it quite a bit just for how insane it is. And that third act for me, I can just watch on loop. I it is pretty crazy. Fucking love that third <laughs> act. It's awesome. It is so awesome and out of its goddamn mind, but it's, it's great. It's kind of my least favorite Mad Max movie. I know, which is kind of weird for me yeah. because to me, the third act of that movie is better than all of Thunderdome, even though I love Thunderdome. And this is something we will at least I agree on with I love that. Tina Turner and Thunderdome. Of course you do. Who run Barta Town? Who run Barta Town? Love it, dude. I'm not saying, no, Thunderdome, Thunderdome is underrated, okay? Okay. Yeah. I hate it when people uh, talk shit about Thunderdome because it's fucking great. But Zach it, hates Thunderdome. It, it, but I get it. It's like it, it is the Hollywood Mad Max film. It's essentially Peter Pan for the second half, and it's like oh, interesting. It's it's <laughs> it's it, and it's no, it's it's an interesting story to tell in that universe. But if I had to pick, it it would not be. Um, it would not be my 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 favorite. I always would. I would like watch the films for for like a marathon, and I would watch the first one, and I'd be like, oh, you know what? Maybe Thunderdome is better. And then I would watch Thunderdome, and I'd be like, oh, hmm, maybe Mad Max is better. And then I would kind of. It happens every time. I kind of swap back and forth. Yep, it's kind of weird, but I get it. Okay. We uh, also again we we toiled around with Manhattan. I was sort of the one that pushed it off. I think. Um, I guess you like it more than I do, which is kind of weird because I'm by far and away the bigger Woody Allen fan. Yeah, well, I do like Woody Allen. Yeah, but uh, no, I I really like that movie. I I it's although yeah, I I I can see why it maybe didn't deserve a spot above these other films. Certainly, being there, which is the one that we were trying to figure out for the longest time. It's a it's a, it's much better than that. But yeah, we switched that out at the last minute since the last draft. There's something really beautiful and personal about uh. Uh, Manhattan that isn't there in many of his other films. See, I find that movie to be, and I guess I wasn't prepared for it when I first saw it, very cynical. It is cynical. And it's about some bad people who do bad things, and I think I was ready for something a little more earnest, mm. because like that's what I'm conditioned for when I see Annie Hall mm-hmm. um, and other Woody Allen movies of the era. It's kind of a bitter movie about how terrible dating life is in the city. <laughs> And I guess, I don't know, I was looking for something a little more optimistic in what is supposed to be a love story. But maybe that's the point. Nothing wrong with doing something that's a cynical love story. I mean, some of my favorite quote-unquote love stories are the most cynical ones you could imagine. Yeah. You know, a great example of that is Blue Valentine. Here's my problem, (laughs) though, is like... I fell in love with Diane Keaton and Annie Hall. And then you saw that. And, and then I like, find nothing admirable about her at all in Manhattan. <laughs> like, I find nothing appealing. Oh, it's a great, ca- very well-written character, but right. you don't exactly like her. No. Yeah. So I, I guess that's just my own personal baggage. I have a hard time buying in. <laughs> and I think the more I see it, the more I respect it and what he's mm-hmm. going for there. But there's just a lot of stuff that makes me feel icky and gross. Well, it is so much like almost like the reverse of Annie Hall in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Literally, like the fact that one is also in color and the other is in black and white. Yeah. It's very interesting because I remember watching it and being like, yeah, this this just feels like a companion piece to to Annie Hall, except it's a lot darker than Annie Hall. Right. Which is kind of why I responded to it a bit more. I, I sort of connect to those stories a little bit more usually, but I will agree that there's I, I don't rewatch Manhattan as, as frequently as Annie Hall, and I maybe don't get nearly as much out of it. Yeah, I agree. That being said, I think it's Woody's best directed movie. Maybe, yeah. I don't think there's a movie that looks better than that one does, no. just on a pure filmmaking level. Yeah, that, sh- that, that kind of classic shot of the, the Brooklyn Bridge as he's sitting with her and, and oh, it's yeah. like moonlight, moon, moonlit, rather. It's or when beautiful. he's in the museum, the mm-hmm. Museum of Natural History, wherever he is, and they're going through the, the dinosaur exhibit, and it's yeah. just like, it's shot like Apocalypse Now at the end, like you can barely <laughs> see them based yes. on how it's lit. 
No, it's really good. And it's another one of those movies, too, where the camera lingers in other places besides the action. Mm-hmm. And I always like find that really interesting because you almost feel Woody behind the camera That's pointing true. it where it wants to go. Just because, oh, I want to take a look at the skyline or I'm interested in this bridge right now or I'm interested in what Central Park looks like at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so like as a pure movie about New York. Oh, yeah. It is a visual marvel. I agree. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it where I, I can't fall in love with it because I can't fall in love with the characters. So I guess it's just a personal thing for me. Yeah, which is okay. Yeah. It's interesting when you talk about direction, though. I think if you want to get a, a good like taste test of uh, Woody's direction, I think, honestly, the best movie to look to, strangely enough, is Everything You Want to Know About Sex. Yeah. Which, you, which yeah, sounds a little kinda. crazy. But no, kind of. But do you know what I mean with how, he, with how he's tackling each vignette and, and how it kind of has to be its own uh, interesting style? Especially- sure. Yeah, it is very stylistic. You are right about that. And he yeah. is sort of borrowing from other film tropes, yeah. too, which is the interesting thing. So, yeah. Midnight in Paris, I feel similarly. Okay. Uh, you don't like that movie, though, do you? I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it? Yeah. Well, someone I talked to hated that movie, and it made me upset. Really? Yeah, because I love it very much. Okay. It's the one uh, performance by Owen Wilson that Quentin Tarantino likes, so... Well... <laughs> <laughs> that should tell you how good it is, I guess. <laughs> I like some Owen Wilson performances. So do I. I mean, they're only in Wes Anderson movies, but <laughs> I dig Owen Wilson in Royal Tenenbaum. He's so fucking awesome in Royal Tenenbaum. He's, He's my favorite that. thing about that movie. I love it. Uh, all right, where do you want to go? You want to begin this now? Yeah. Um, all right, but- you want to fight first, or do you want to start off on an easy note? We want to get the fighting out of the way? Sure, let's do it. What are we going to fight about? Oh. I feel myself in the Louisiana Bayou. I'm going to cry right now. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the Tell me this is not movie side. magic. But only We're just going to sit here for two minutes. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I, I thought you said we were going to fight. <laughs> so we've been told and some choose to believe it. Wait for it. I know they're wrong. Wait and see. You just wait and see, Adam. Someday we'll find it. The rainbow connection. You know what I'm digging right now? What? I'm really in the mood for some frog legs. How dare you? (laughs) Listen, bro. There's no other argument I need to make about the greatness of the Muppet movie that wasn't summed up in that one minute of song. Followed by Dom DeLuise, of course. Obvi. <laughs> Obvi. You fought me on the nomination of this movie. Explain yourself, sir. No, this movie's great. It's the first time I had seen it in Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't think I had seen this movie in, yeah, like 20 years. It's been a long, long, long time. So I barely. You're been, only like 23. 25. I'm 24. When did so, you turn 24 recently? Uh, back, back in February. Okay. So yeah, I, I saw this when I was very young and I barely remembered it. And watching it again, it's like, oh, oh, wow, wow, oh, my God, like flashback. But um, it's great. 
What do you, what do you want me to say? Just why? why no, did I... you just seemed a little not enthusiastic, and that bothered me. Well, be- because there's more to talk about with other nominees. I, I guess I don't. I still don't think it's a better movie than Life of Brian. And I'm. What? <laughs> and I'm. And there, there, no! there's still more to discuss, in my opinion, with Mad Max. At least with like significance here, I suppose. I thought the movie was very charming. It's a it's a wonderful little road movie. It's inc- it's incredibly funny and memorable, you know. But it is what it is. You are underselling the shit out of this movie. I, maybe I'm going to say something that's about to blow your mind right now. <laughs> are you ready? Sure. This is my favorite musical of all time. Interesting. Okay. By far. Wow. Not close. This is your favorite musical. B- West Side Story, Wizard of Oz. Does all that jazz count as a musical? Sure. Okay. Fuck it all. It's Muppet Movie, baby. Dude, this this soundtrack is so good. There are like four jams on this soundtrack. <laughs> Dude, I'm not that enthusiastic about it. <laughs> Moving right along. Moving right along. <laughs> that was great, Nico. <laughs> Let's reach out and grab it. He's easy to it. Oh, yeah! Can you picture that? Woo! Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Everybody's brother, I want to be a Dude, how great. This is a Paul Williams soundtrack. I know. My God, does he kick ass on this thing. So that was the only thing it was nominated for in terms of the Academy Awards. Best original song. Best original song and best original score. Those were your two nominees. Of course, best original song for Rainbow Connection lost the best original song Oscar. To what? It goes like it goes from Norma Ray. I need to see Norma Ray. God what damn. is happening here? <laughs> what the hell? How does this lose best original song? Because it's a bunch of puppets. Dude, that is one of the five best movie songs of all time. But it's a bunch of puppets, and the Academy is not as, as keen on giving it to a bunch of puppets, Nico. Dude, this is sacrilege. <laughs> how is that not... Like, seriously, how is that not the best song? That is the best song in any other year other than Somewhere Over the Rainbow... And is it that good? And and Mrs. Robinson. Those are the that's it. Okay. Those are my top three. Really? Somewhere over the rainbow, Mrs. Robinson, Rainbow Connection, three best movie songs of all time. No, okay. <laughs> Dude, I'm blowing your mind. I love this. What? <laughs> that's it. Those are the three. I would give uh Lose oh. Yourself by Eminem, I'd put in there too. Yeah, I probably put I put Skyfall above this. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Sure I would. Stop it. Yes, I would. No. I would. Absolutely. Live and Let Die might be better. Even though Live and Let Die is not, not even in my top 10 Bond songs, funny enough. That's crazy. Yeah. Because that's like by far and away the best Bond song. Really? Oh my God, yeah. Ugh. Come on, what's the discussion? Yes, yeah, I don't think I've always felt like it was kind of out of place for Bond. It didn't feel it never feels right. Even though I like the song as it is, that's I don't weird. I don't like it near, nearly as much as a Bond song. I don't know how that doesn't get the win. It was also number 74 on the AFI 100 Years 100 Songs list. Yeah. Which seems criminally low. 
I, I think you're you're overrating it personally. I, there's no way I, like, I am. I like the song, dude. It's a great song. Yes, yeah, it's a great song. But I like. Does it really stick out for for everyone else? I guess. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. This is our list, so fuck them. But uh, still, I don't know. Yes, really, it is. Yes, of course it is. I don't know, if dude. That shot of him in the swamp by himself strumming that guitar. That's that's a yes. I First time I saw that, it's like this is movie magic right here. Mm-hmm. Like in that, it it opens the movie with that shot. It's like, oh, we're not just gonna watch an episode of the Muppet Show. Yeah, this is a real film that we're doing, and they're pushing the limits of it. <laughs> this movie has one of the single funniest images I think I've ever seen in my life. Okay, this is a crazy list. Here's the AFI list. Not what? to not to harp on this too much. Yeah. Uh, somewhere over the rainbow, number one. Fine. Uh, as as time goes by from Casablanca. Okay. Which is what? Uh, play it again, Sam. Yeah. That's the, no. No. Singing in the rain. Okay. No. Yes. No. I would put that at probably number two. Moon River, Breakfast at Tiffany's. I didn't know that was a movie song, but I hate that song. Okay. I guess White Christmas is a movie song, technically, so that's at number five from the, the movie Holiday Inn. Mrs. Robinson at six. Cool. When You Wish Upon a Star in Pinocchio, The Way We Were, Mm -hmm. Staying Alive, The Sound of Music. Not a bad list. Okay, only like two of those songs are better than Rainbow Give me a break. Dude, I will not have this. (laughs) What is your obsession with this song? It's it's very good, but I, I don't think it even touches the iconography of those. Not even close, man. Singing in the Rain is not better than than Rainbow Connection. I'm sorry. Nor is Moon River. Singing in the Rain is better. Moon River. I hate it. That's fine. But Singing in the Rain, you're really not going to give it to Singing in the Rain. Everybody knows Singing in the Rain. Everyone knows Rainbow Connection. No, they don't. Muppet Movie is directed by James Frawley, written by Jerry Jewell and Jack Burns, starring Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and a number of celebrity cameos, including, listen to this list. Jesus, it's ridiculous. Milton Berle, Mel Brooks, James Coburn, (laughs) Dom DeLuise, Bob Hope, (laughs) Cloris Leachman, Steve Martin, Richard Pryor, and Orson fucking wells <laughs> it's with awesome. one final line at the end of the movie only has one speaking line i know my god what a list yeah incredible cast it's funny as hell funny as hell based on jim henson's rise to fame a lot of it is based on his true story this movie has so much heart mm-hmm. um more heart than it has any business having sure this is a beloved tv show obviously and the muppets are an iconic franchise um this movie pushed them, though, into a another level. Mm-hmm. Like, before they were Sesame Street. Yes. And exactly. Sesame Street is still Sesame Street now. Mm-hmm. With this movie, they were something more. This was a children's puppet movie aimed toward adults mm-hmm. and fun for the whole family. And if you put humans in place of the Muppets, the movie is just as good. That is my opinion. Yes, I agree. That, a, that's kind of the genius of it all. Yeah, you know, it plays to literally all audiences, and it's it's a, it's, it's strange for it to see a movie do that when it's just, it's it's like sock puppets running around, and you and you absolutely love them. Yeah, it's weird, but it works. Movie pushed to the limits what puppetry was capable of as well. Yes, uh, Kermit is riding a bicycle in this I movie. Love that. Uh, you know, a lot of the Muppets you see their feet. Uh, they're able to walk and talk like humans. They don't have to shoot it from the waist up as the TV show often does. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love it so much. It's one of my favorite movies from childhood. Interesting. And I've seen it so many times and I love the soundtrack and I just think it's magic. And you could watch it today and you would love it just as much as you watched it the first time. Okay. Um, and I will fight 
to the death that it is one of the six best movies of this year, not one of the five or four. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, again, I don't I'm not like in love with this movie, but yes, I think it's quite, quite, quite good. And the, the one of my favorite shots maybe I've ever seen of Kermit coming out in his cowboy boots and his hat. That wide <laughs> shot of him from behind standing in front of people is these 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 grown men talking to a, a a frog in cowboy boots is the best thing I have ever seen in my life. The Muppets are just special, man. Like like David Lynch could not have come up with a better image than that. <laughs> it's great. I would love to see David Lynch t- tackle the Muppets stuff. <laughs> I yes. would be really into yes. that. Jabril, I know you're listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this movie. It's very good. It's very. I'm I'm not nearly as enthusiastic about it as you are, but I'm not going to dock it down. It's quite it's quite the 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 pleasant film that I would love to show to my kids one one of these days. I certainly will. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, it's it's solid, but you know, again, we like, we're not we're not like. Uh, yeah, I mean. It's not going to Are win. you saying that it's no all that jazz? Yeah. All right, then uh, the floor is yours, sir. Oh, we're talking about all that jazz. All that jazz written and directed by Bob Fosse. Mm-hmm. Starring Roy Scheider, Jessica Lange, and others. Yep. Talk to me about it. It is, uh, it's a, maybe my favorite musical, if you want to call it a musical, which I don't know if I necessarily do. More of a biopic. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's in the, it, the vein of eight and a half which is often compared to eight and a half. Yeah. It's, it's, well, yeah, it's, it's like the same movie. Uh, and it's just about, um, um, uh, Joe Gideon, uh, trying to sell an idea to people and failing miserably in his, uh, in his attempts to do so primarily because of his health and his personal life and all that other jazz. Ha ha. Uh, and it's just a really, really interesting character study about creativity and uh, the the artistic process that you go on in order to get something made, and the various struggles that go into that, whether it's through your friends or your family, your love life, whatever. And I find it to be uh, absolutely fascinating, and one of the uh, one of the most interesting, fascinating watches I've ever seen. And it's uh, one of my favorite films. Wow, I love this movie to death. I did not see that coming. One of my when favorite you nominated it at first. One of my favorite movies of all time. Wow. So the movie, um, again, written and directed by Bob Fosse, it is loosely based on his life. Yeah, I shouldn't even say loosely. It's it's this is like a lot of it is directly ripped from his life. They just have a different character in place of him. Yes, Bob Fosse, the legendary choreographer and film director, excellent film director, is responsible for Cabaret, which sort of revolutionized the movie musical. I love that movie so fucking much. Uh, the show Fosse Verdon oh, is have... on FX. Have you checked it out yet? No, have you seen it? No, I've heard really good things about it. Okay. What I will say, though, is that the show does not pull punches in regards to his personal life, and I wonder if this movie, because obviously it's directed by Bob Fosse, yeah. pulled a few punches because <laughs> apparently the guy was not a great human being. No. And they document that in the show heavily. Yeah. And apparently Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams are excellent on it. Really? Okay. Yeah. okay. I've heard awesome things about it. Because I saw that and I was like, wow, I want to see that because I'm such a big fan of Cabaret and all that jazz. Yeah. So that'll so. give you sort of another take on it. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of, uh, I think they've only had two episodes so far in FX. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't say that all that jazz, by the way, pulls punches. Yeah. I mean, it is. Sure. It goes for it. Um, yeah. The character is not super likable. <laughs> Roy Scheider 
in my opinion, was the best part of this movie. Yeah. Uh, he is I mean, it's, phenomenal in it. And that's okay if he's the best part of the movie because it's all about him. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, it is a dominant performance. Yes. A dominant. And I would say, is this a better performance than Jaws? Yeah. Okay, because he's great in Jaws. Oh, yeah. He's, he's underappreciated in Jaws because he's just playing a regular guy, but he's so good. Yeah. So good at being the, 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 the everyman in that movie. Yeah. He's great in it. Nominated for nine Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Cinematography, and it won Best Original Score, Mm -hmm. Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Film Editing. Which makes complete sense to me. Stanley Kubrick, when he first saw this movie, called it, quote, The best movie he's ever seen. The best film I think I have ever seen. (laughs) Which makes me happy. (laughs) It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Number 14 on AFI's greatest movie musical list. Mm -hmm. I am puzzled as to why the Muppet movie is not on there. Uh, (laughs) In 2012, the Motion Picture Editors Guild listed the film as the fourth best edited film of all time Mm -hmm. based on a survey of its membership. I'd give it to that, too. See, I... Okay. Well, all right. Here's the deal. (laughs) This is the first time I saw this movie. I hadn't seen it until you nominated it. Yep, I know. So, So I watched it. Um... I have to be honest. I thought the movie was a bit extra. <laughs> it is extra. I thought the movie was a bit extra. And maybe that is my own bias because I'm not a big musical guy. Yeah, I think it is because this movie is fucking amazing, dude. It, it, it probably is my own bias, but it is a very indulgent movie. That's fine. It's very indulgent and it's a lot. It's it's a musical. It is. Yeah. If it is not a musical by technical definition... It is certainly a musical in spirit, mm-hmm. and I don't think like it's made for me. No, I, I was gonna say like it doesn't make it like this. This I saw this movie, and I had a similar reaction to it as like Drive, where I'm just like, holy fuck, what did I just see? This uh-huh. is clearly one of the best films ever made, and I want to watch this like ten more times <laughs> to to get it to just soak myself into this world, this crazy, odd, and personal and kind of cerebral world that Fosse creates for himself. I don't care if it's indulgent. I like I like the indulgence. Hey, you like uh, Quentin Tarantino, so calm down. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm just not into theater nerds. <laughs> All right, I, let me just be honest. This I'm should, not into theater kids. Well, this should make you hate theater nerds more. <laughs> oh, mission accomplished. There you go. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so what's the problem? I hate them even more. I, there is it. Is it? Would it be different if Bob Fosse wasn't directing it? Oh, for sure. Okay, okay. I, I for see, sure. Okay, I see what you mean. All right. Yeah, but but even stylistically, though, there's a there's too much happening at times. I mean, there's and maybe that's the point. Yes, I'm sure that's the point, and that's like the essence of Broadway. Yes, but this is why I don't like Broadway. Ugh. And, and that's that's it, man. That's all it is. Like I just want less. I am a less is more type of guy. Mm-hmm. I guess with the exception of Quentin Tarantino movies, yes. I am a less is more type of guy. You are not open to 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 more things like that. You're not open to like extra stuff at all. If it starts to get a little too crazy for you, if, it, yeah, there are just too many dream sequences in this movie, and there are just like <laughs> that's the point. Yeah, I know there are too many musical numbers. And that's the point. Nothing wrong. The with The acting that. is very pronounced. Even though, again, Roy Scheider is great in it. I have no explanation for why the hell Jessica Lange is in this movie. Well, she's oh, like, what do you mean? Like, she is just in the angel of death. Is that all she is? Yeah, essentially. Why? Why does it have to be Jessica Lange? That character I just found distracting. I found her presence in the movie to be distracting. So Bob Fosse, 
okay, I'm I'm calling him Bob Fosse, but the character's name is what again? Joe Gideon. So Joe Gideon is narrating his life essentially yes. to this woman because he's dying. Okay, but it, it's very metaphorical, and she is wearing this white veil, and she is lit like a Christ figure essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find out by the end that she is just the metaphorical angel of death. Yes, I could have done with less of that. Well, like, the whole- I I just want I want less explanation. I just want more of the character, and I just want a little more trust in the audience to get the point. You didn't think that it didn't explain? It didn't literally come out and say that this is the angel of death. I mean, obviously it is, but it wasn't like she turned to the camera and said, "I'm the angel of death." Just a bit heavy-handed. So the what? presence of the character is heavy-handed, though, is what I mean. I mean, the whole movie is essentially him atoning for his sins. It's like, it felt like that's why he made the film, as if he was like pissed at himself, and he's like, yes. I gotta make this movie as a final hurrah to, to say everything I've, I've always wanted to say. And that could mean, you know, you know facing you know, death head-on. Because I don't think he was in good health when he was making this movie, either. Right. Well, that much is clear. Yeah. He's definitely atoning, no question. Yes. I'm just, I don't know, man. This is, this is, again, this is a me problem. I don't blame the movie, because I know many people love the movie and they find it to be a masterpiece. You're not the first person this to say that. This is the third best film on this, this list for me. Number three. I don't even think it cracks the top six. I think it's, I think it's definitively, without even debate, the, the third best. <laughs> that's how good, that's, it's a caliber of filmmaking that I don't think I've, I'm ever going to see again. Maybe this is just sort of a larger philosophical question that you and i run into a lot what because like you're a big believer in that you should use film as much as you possibly can Mm -hmm. like you have this canvas to paint on paint yeah paint and i'm like yeah but maybe you could just doodle (laughs) and that's enough (laughs) like you know that that's my feeling like i'm not a big like use the entire canvas put as much as you want you don't have to do that. It depends on the mood I'm in. But I, I, I'm not a proponent for... Uh, I get For me, it's like too often... More often than not, I see films get made and I'm just like, y- y- there's so many wasted opportunities here. Like you could have said so much more had you really used your medium to its fullest potential. And it's, it's nice that you maybe wanted to go smaller with it, but I can't help but think how much more effective it would be just as a, for a cinematic perspective for a cinematic experience rather how much better it would have been had you really gone you know whole hog with it which is why i like films like mad max so much that go for it yes it's like like commit to this you're making a film god well damn the it. movie does that certainly it's like this 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 is a film it's a musical but it's hard to imagine this film being a play you know sure there's a lot of there's a lot of musicals that get made that could very easily be a play that's there's correct a lot, there's a lot of like s- small talky films that you and i love quite a bit but they could very easily be a play. Right. Manhattan could be a play yes. in theory. Yes. But one of the things that's so special about something like all that jazz or apocalypse now or alien to me is that they could pretty much only exist on the screen. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I always want. Okay. More or less. Yeah. I agree with that. I just sort of have a problem when you're saying too much <laughs> and that, and it feels sort of preachy and it feels kind of like you're beating me over the head. You're not just taking me on a journey. It, Obviously there's a balance. I don't think we it's, are stating it's, the obvious to say that there's a balance. Sure. It's a very meta film too, by the way. It's, uh, it's certainly. incredibly, which I don't mind, which is something that I know you don't like. <laughs> I don't, which is the problem because I, I meta because this is quite the journey for me. I yeah. I love the the weird cerebral journey that this film is taking me on. Man, that last act, I just uh, wanted it to be a drag. Really? I do. I just here's here's what I loved. I loved Roy Scheider hanging out with his daughter. 
I love everything with the daughter. I know you do. <laughs> it, it just, it's, the girl was great. It was a touching relationship that they have. He, she was honest with him and it felt like she was the only person in his life mm-hmm. who was truly honest with him. I liked the stuff with the ex-wife. Mm-hmm. It felt grounded and real. The second you take me to the dream sequences in the last 35 minutes when he's in a coma, I just check out. And it's it's just these indulgent musical numbers that are so Broadway, and it that's just not my jam. Okay, because just not how I roll. I love that balance though, because to me, this strikes a very fine balance with the real life stuff and the showy stuff, because that's his life. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I feel like contextually, it works very, or thematically rather, it works extremely well. I it's hard for me to imagine him telling a story like this any other way, especially after seeing something like Cabaret. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not his style. Any other way would not be his style. Yes. Um. So, if okay. I th- I think it's 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 one of the greats. That's fair. It's a beautiful movie for me. Good. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> I'm glad you don't feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> Kramer v. Kramer. Oh, I can't wait to get to Apocalypse now. By the way, I oh. can I can't fucking wait to get to Apocalypse now. <laughs> Dude, this is gonna go on a while. <laughs> Written and directed by Robert Benton, as I said, uh, you heard all this already. Uh, novel by Avery Corman mm-hmm. won all of those Oscars. The only ones that didn't win um, were, uh, or I guess, wait a minute, no, yeah, it didn't win Best Cinematography or Best Film Editing, or maybe it did. Yeah. How did all that all that jazz won? Right, like you said, it had to have won. Yeah, it won Best Editing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Had to. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, it was. It won all of those awards I said earlier. It almost made the clean sweep. Nominated for Best Supporting Actor, the kid Justin, uh, something or another, was the youngest actor in the history of the Oscars to get nominated. Actually, the the youngest nominee period in any category at eight years old. Really, still to this day holds that distinction. Wow. Uh, also nominated Best Supporting Actress, Gene Alexander, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing. Yeah, that's right. Damn. So this is a movie where if it is in the hands of any other two actors, it is a forgettable harm- Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. That's how I view it. But because two of the ten greatest actors of all time, <laughs> which is what they are, maybe even two of the five greatest actors of all time. Potentially. Yeah, are at the helm, it is elevated to this whole other level. Mm-hmm. Like, they are so incredible. And I go back and forth on who's more incredible in it. Um, I, I guess... As of now, I'm leaning towards Meryl. I lean towards Dustin, actually. Okay. Well, I guess, obviously, Dustin has the more meaty role and has more screen time. But what Meryl is able to do with that character is just unbelievable. It is, of course, the story of divorce. Dustin Hoffman is this work-obsessed father who doesn't spend a lot of time at home with his wife and child. And so one day, his wife, played by Meryl Streep, decides, I'm leaving you, Mm -hmm. and leaves for two years. And she is not heard of until she resurfaces two years later and yep. says, I want my son back. Mm-hmm. And so they go to court and it is a brutal custody battle um, and, and the drama ensues. It was named number three on the AFI's top 10 courtroom drama list. Okay. How do you like that? That's fine with me. Yeah. I don't really think of it as a courtroom drama, but, but when no. you think about it that way, it's, it's I mean, interesting. There are hardly any scenes in a courtroom, really. Mm. Uh, I read this on IMDb. The strength of the performances of the two leads can be at least partly attributed to what was going on in their private lives mm-hmm. at the time. Dustin Hoffman was in the midst of a messy divorce while Meryl Streep was still recovering from the death of her lover, John Cazale. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. This was Meryl's, I believe, first time in front of the camera. Not the first film released, but her first motion picture performance. And she is just a revelation in this. 
She is so good. And what she brings to this character who could have easily been vilified mm-hmm. because man, oh man, do you hate that character? You sympathize with her in this very strange way just because it's Meryl. And that's the only reason why. And that's why I just think that performance is harder than Dustin's. Dustin is all over the place and is neurotic and he carries the movie because he's in every scene. But Meryl makes the most of her short screen time. I suppose. I I would also say that Dustin does that too, though. He's a little more... He's great in it. I'm not doubting that he's great in it. They're both incredible. for me. They're both incredible. I don't want to say otherwise. This is not Meryl Streep's first on-screen role. Well, Deer Hunter was released first, but I believe this was the first one she ever shot. So it was released after. This is the first time she actually acted, not the first time it was released. Okay, that's amazing. And it's her second (laughs) nomination behind Deer Hunter from the following year. Holy shit. She was nominated for that. And was in Manhattan in 1979 as well. Oh God, that's right. So this is right in the midst of of the Merrill Assance. <laughs> the Merrill Assance. No, there's no Assance right, to it. Yeah, this was the this was the rise to the top. Yes. This, this is when it happened. You can track it there. And she hasn't looked back ever since. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about a, like one of the least fun films to watch. I think. <laughs> hmm. I don't agree with that. Why? I mean, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough watch. But the relationship between Dustin and his son is very heartwarming. Okay. Like, I, I feel good when I watch them. I, it's sure. not like a downer of a movie. What? I don't find it to be a downer. I certainly do. Do you? <laughs> this is not a film I enjoy watching at all. Really? This is a set. Oh, God. This movie is... It's phenomenal. This movie is 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 in, absolutely incredible and one of the most... Uh, probably the most realistic portrayal of something like a divorce. Yes. that I've ever seen but it's just I would only put it behind Squid and the Whale I've never seen Squid and which the Whale which you haven't seen the Noah Baumbach movie that's the only one I would put ahead of alright but this movie is really 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 fucking sad for me anyway <sighs> for me it's a tough See, watch on paper it's sad but by the end of it I okay can I spoil this ending sure Go you've ahead. all seen Kramer versus Kramer they ultimately come to an agreement and they accept each other for who they are mm-hmm. so it's not it's not ugly i mean it's it is i guess the best case scenario for how this divorce could have played out i suppose yeah like it doesn't have a sad ending he he gets to keep his son it doesn't matter the journey to that point is just miserable it's heavy it's fucking miserable it's heavy i wouldn't call it a downer <sighs> because they ultimately learn to i guess not love each other but respect each other there's just so many tough scenes. Like every other it's scene tough. is just tough. Whether it's meeting her back in the coffee shop and he freaks wait, out wait, there. Wait, throws make, the wine glass in the wall, yeah. Where they make French toast together for the first time, which is, oh God, I hate that because I can relate to it. <laughs> um, and to, to the kid falling on, on his face. Oh my God, and he's and sprinting to the hospital to, to, to the last scene where the, the kid, where he's telling the kid that he's going to have to live with mom for most of the time. It's oh so heartbreaking. I'm not saying I, I don't love this movie. And sometimes watching this can be kind of cathartic, yeah. which is why I don't have any issue with films being sad, because sometimes you, you need a sad film. It can be satisfying. Well, yeah, there's no other honest way to say this yeah, without exactly. being sad. Of course, it's got to be sad. Yeah, I agree. Divorce isn't happy. <laughs> no. It's, it's like the worst thing that happens in people's lives. You yeah, it is. You do not... and, and in many cases, the worst thing that ever happens to a child. Yeah. Like usually it is. Yeah. I have friends and like a lot of adults will disagree with me on this. People that have gotten divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, I can just speak from experience. Friends of mine that have parents that were divorced, they have 
damage that cannot be reversed. Mm-hmm. Like it's really hard. It's yeah. really hard for them. And well into their adult lives, they still are feeling the remnants of that. So I totally get this. There's no other honest way to say this without. It's got to be horrific. It has to be. Yeah, it's a horror movie, kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> In a way. In a way. Uh, yeah. This this I I love this movie. I I I I love 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 this movie. I actually watched it with with Abby. I showed it to her for the, for the first time. Yeah. She was not having a good night. <laughs> <laughs> she really loved it, but uh, she was like, "That is like the saddest thing I've ever seen." Right. Because we because I mean, especially from her coming from like like just as a woman with like some maternal instincts, yeah. seeing the kid in every scene that he's in, yeah, because he's an adorable kid, but and he's great by the way. Yes, the kid is fantastic in that. Movie. He knows how to be a kid, as as a lot of kid actors don't. They yeah. they play like like adults. As much as I love Macaulay Culkin and uh, uh, Home Alone, it's a kid would not act that way at all, mm-hmm. not at all. And this kid is just just like like scary good. Yeah. It, to the point where it's sometimes uncomfortable watching him. Most of the time, it's uncomfortable. Oh watching yeah, him. the scene where he tells Dustin Hoffman that he hates him. And oh that fight God, he ate his dessert early. I know. Yeah, it's horrible, but real. This is how it works. It's like when he's when he's saying he wants his mom back. I'm just like, stop, movie, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> so that courtroom scene at the end, Meryl Streep. I don't know if you know this. Didn't like how the scene was written. Thought that the wife came across as too much of a villain mm-hmm. and so she goes up to robert benton told him what her concerns were and so robert benton's like all right fine rewrite it just rewrite it right now and so she did and she wrote that entire monologue beautiful that is a meryl streep written monologue and i don't know what the monologue would have been but i don't see it being any better than what meryl came up with i had no idea that's amazing yeah. it's perfect how incredible is that wow yeah yeah, she's pretty great. Yeah, she's pretty good. She's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not bad, huh? <laughs> yeah, not bad, yeah, that Meryl Streep. Yeah, pretty good. Turns out the broad can act. <laughs> good on you, sport. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that dame, she's meant for the big screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That character you should hate. Hate, hate, hate. You kind of do at first. But by the end, you sympathize. Yeah, yeah. And that's Precisely. an impossible turnaround. I know. That's impossible. Only Meryl can do that. There is no one else that could have done that role. I, I just you. see her. That is Meryl all the way. And there's no one else I would rather have. Hmm. Robin Williams could have done it. <laughs> Best female actress of all time. <laughs> Best female actress of all time. Yes. Right ahead of Robin Williams. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The only awkward thing about this is that there are two better movies that came out this year. Uh, and any other year, if Kramer versus Kramer won Best Picture, I'd be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, no. Unfortunately. Actually, nah, bro. Mm-hmm. There are two movies that are clearly better. But I, I don't want to get too greedy because we don't often nominate the Best Picture winners for this award. And, Which is true. Yeah, you're right. We don't. You know? So. so this was one of the few years where it actually deserved a spot. Yes, I agree. Um, if you are a child of divorce, if you're not a child of divorce and you want a sense of what that life is like. Um, obviously, you can't get the full picture by seeing this movie, but it's a good start. Pretty damn close. Yeah. It's I great. love it. I uh, love yeah, it yeah, so I, much. I, I love it too. Um, okay. Being there. Ooh, being there. Yeah. I would like to point out, by the way, uh, a lot of these movies that you've listed here are part of the reason that I ended up seeing them is because they're some of David Fincher's favorite films. Wow. It's like, like all that jazz and being there. And I even think uh, 
Kramer versus Kramer. So, really? So I was going through David Fincher's list of his favorite films ever made, and I, I was so I was just going down the list, and I had never seen them before until you know looking at that. And he inspired you too. Yeah, that's well, odd. It's not necessarily David Fincher. It's just like because I, I look at lists of, of of a bunch of filmmakers, and I'm like, what haven't I seen, and what do they love? And I'm like, oh, I'll watch that. So, right. Yeah. No, this is an incredibly influential year. No, this is one of those years where more than one movie should get in. And it's yeah, I know. It's not going to. And it's just dumb. It's really dumb. Um, what a stupid game we set up for ourselves. Uh, we, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We need to. <laughs> we got to do that second chance show pretty soon. We will. Because this, this one in particular is bad. You know what I was looking up? I was looking at 2007 again. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> have you seen 310 to Yuma? No. I was, I was thinking about it. It's like, that came out in 2007 too? Fuck! <laughs> when did Assassination of Jesse James come out? 2007. Whoa! What are we going to do about that year? Great year for Westerns, by the way. Incredible Fuck year! It. But my God, there are too many good movies in that year. I mean, it, and that's not all. No, and we're going to, yeah. I mean, that is not all. That's a rough fucking year. I honestly don't know what I'm going to be able to do. We'll have to figure something out. Sooner rather than later. Um, being there, directed by Hal Ashby, written by Jer- uh, Jersey Kosinski, mm-hmm. who also wrote the novelization, starring Peter Sellers, Shirley MacLaine, Melvin Douglas, Jack Warden. As I said, Melvin Douglas won Best Supporting Actor, and Peter Sellers was nominated for Best Actor, did not win. Mm-hmm. Peter Sellers was nominated for the Oscar. Um, some said the reason Sellers lost was because of the outtakes at the very end of the movie as the credits are rolling. Sellers himself later said the outtakes, quote, broke the spell of the movie. That is so interesting he said that because that is my one nitpick for this movie. I hate the outtakes over the credits. Have you ever seen those or have you just seen like a TV version? Yeah, I have seen the outtakes. You've seen the outtakes. And it just doesn't fit at all. No. And it's very weird because this movie is not like a broad comedy. No. It's not a Mel Brooks movie where it's okay to see the bloopers at the end. Yeah, I agree. You know? And I thought the same thing when he starts doing that and then he breaks character. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, this is not that kind of film at all. It's so out of place. I believe Peter Sellers actually fought the producers of the movie to get it cut out of the cons uh, version. That's where the movie debuted and mm-hmm. the producers vetoed him. So for some reason, the studio really wanted it in there. The st- did Hal Ashby want it in I there? I don't know what Hal There's... Ashby's opinion was. I, I didn't look that much into it. There's no way he wanted it in there. Yeah, it's just odd, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's 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 something you'd see in a completely different film. Yeah, it just takes you completely out of it. And it is an incredibly immersive movie. Yes, I agree. Peter Sellers is great in this. Um, mm-hmm. Greatest comedic actor of all time? Mm, maybe. Best comedic actor of all time. I mean, unless you consider... Robin Williams? No, he's better. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's pretty damn close. I mean... I'm talking pure comedy. Like they don't like Dustin Hoffman is great in comedies, but he's not a comedic actor. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking like they are known for doing comedy. I would say uh, like Robin Williams is known for doing comedy. Yeah, I agree with that. I still would probably. Robin Williams never had a Dr. Strangelove. That's true. There's no Robin Williams performance as good as that. Probably not. Yeah. Nor to be honest with you, the Pink Panther. (laughs) Like he's he's good, and those movies are not good. They're bad movies with great Peter Sellers performances. I agree, and he's great in this. He's also in Casino Royale. Peter Sellers. Yeah, I never saw that. 
Never saw that. We still need to do Why Is This a Thing? Casino Royale. Okay. Because it's the best movie I've ever seen. Gladly. Yeah. Almost as good as... Uh, almost as good as Pass Through. Not quite as good. <laughs> it's close. Listen to Watat. Yes, Pass please. Through from this week. Yeah. Um, what do you think about being there? I love being there. I do too. As fucking weird as this movie is. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird, but it's a very uh, interesting film about media <laughs> and, and how that shapes your life. Uh, among many other things, it's playing around with a lot of a lot of things that I never thought that a movie would necessarily tackle. It's 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 a really hard film for me to talk about, though. So let's explain the plot because I'm sure people haven't really seen this movie. No, I, I would wager a guess that most of our audience is not. No, Peter Sellers plays Chance the Gardener, Chauncey Gardner. Eventually, eventually, is named Chauncey Gardner, who is the gardener for a millionaire presumably yes who dies Mm -hmm. his entire life has been spent on the estate as a gardener for this guy and i don't want to say that chauncey has a mental illness but he's definitely a simpleton sure but i think it's implied that everything he's ever known he's known through just watching television right everything he's ever needed to know his emotions is all have all essentially been molded through just staying in that house and watching what's been on the screen in yeah front of him. but but in just in terms of like intelligence level he's not he's he's more forrest gump yes he's not like he's not like a mentally uh a, a mentally ill person no but that's the thing well, well forrest gump it's like maybe he's a little like on the spectrum maybe he's not we don't yeah. really know whereas like i don't think the point of this is that uh uh, Chauncey. I'm just going to call him Chauncey. I don't think that the point is that he's on the spectrum at all. It's just that, uh, like, had it not been for his lifestyle inside the house, he'd be oh. perfectly normal. Yeah, yeah, maybe. He's he's very socially inept. Yes, yes. yes. Let's just say oh, this. my God. He, he is socially inept. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. So he speaks in very, um, very short, direct sentences. Laconic is the word. Wow. Look at old Adam Webster over there. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Did you read your word uh, word of the day yeah, calendar this I, I morning? I wanted to find a way to use it just today. Pretty good. It's perfect, right? I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Laconic. I'm going to use that from now on. Yeah, it's a good one. I like it. Not bad. <laughs> um, so he ultimately stumbles into Shirley MacLaine, who plays the wife of a billionaire political donor. Yes. And he's a very well-connected Washington, D.C. guy. They strike up a friendship he, accidentally accidentally because Shirley McLean's limo hits Chauncey as he's wandering <laughs> the streets of DC he begins to live in their house they become very close both Shirley McLean and her husband who is ill yep um and before you know it Chauncey is hanging out at political dinners <laughs> and he has the ear of the president and he becomes this by the end of the movie i mean this is not really a spoiler but a candidate for president yeah. They ultimately consider him the donors that that is like the sort of Illuminati figure that is pulling the strings behind the scenes consider him as their presidential nominee. Yes. And he can he's maybe even higher than that. Depending on how you read that ending. Yeah. I don't want to spoil that though. Yeah. Yeah, let's let the audience watch this. Cuz no one cuz no one's seen it. Yeah. Um it is an odd movie as a lot of Hal Ashby movies are. Yeah, I mean I've only seen this in Harold and Maude. Me too. Uh, Harold but, and Maude, by the way, one of our favorites. Love that movie. Love it too. Love that movie. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Um, but and uh, th- this was interesting. The movie is 
political satire. Kind of, yeah. See, you say kind of. Yeah. It definitely is, yeah. but it doesn't feel that way. No. Well, that's and, the thing. It, it, a lot of that has to do with the, the setting and the character you, you, you're, you, you choose to follow. I think it's a political satire. I also think it's very much a commentary on the media. Yeah. In the same way. Sure. Yeah. It's, a, it's all of the above. Yeah. Yes. Point is, it has a lot of big things to say about society, and it is poking fun at a lot of those figures. But because of how earnest the story is told, mm-hmm. it never feels like you're being lectured to. No. And that's, I think, the miracle of this movie. I agree. Um, is that I never felt like I was watching a Mel Brooks movie. I just felt like I was watching a charming story. And the interesting thing, I think, by the end of it, is we are supposed to see Chauncey as everything bad with American politics. <laughs> right? Potentially, yeah. How, well, you know, uh, figures, I'm sorry, uh, pay lip service to certain ideas rather than voicing actual ideas of substance. Yeah. Right? So we're supposed to think, oh, this is not the way American government is supposed to run. However, you are utterly in love with this guy, and that's sort of the point. Yes. So that's interesting. What do you think? No, I love that idea. I really do. Um, it's interesting thinking of it as a political satire because it just makes you, because if you, if, if you watch the film and you follow Chauncey and you, and you, you know, and the way that you do, you're just like, wow, these people are just fucking lunatics for, for agreeing with them the way that they do. But like you just said, the fact that they do, and given the type of people that they are, it's, it has an interesting point to make about these, the, the politics that's kind of, you know, following him around. Well, you understand them. Yeah. You understand why you would like this guy because you, the audience really likes this guy. Even though you should you should be questioning everything he's saying and doing, it, it, at least in terms of the position he's in. Yeah. Because, I mean, what he's saying, like, if you really step back from it, it's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make much sense, really. Of course. But they are so obsessed with themselves, too, and they are so conditioned to be listening for certain, um, uh, certain like, key phrases or yeah. buzzwords, <laughs> similar to how American politics works now. Yeah. It's ironically one of, uh, one of the most relevant movies from this era like it still holds up in terms of its commentary um but but yeah i never feel again like i'm being lectured to it doesn't feel like idiocracy no it it doesn't feel like a broad comedy it just sort of feels like a really touching story i don't i don't really consider it much of a comedy though because the scenes that are funny are more awkward to me yeah that's the thing like i wasn't laughing through any of this film aside from uh, the sex scene, right? But yeah, you yeah, know what I, mean. I like to watch. Scene one of the <laughs> I saw that, and I I literally like put like I because I, I was watching it on my laptop. I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? I love this. I love this so fucking much. It's great. Number twenty six, by the way, on AFI's hundred years hundred laughs list of the all time best comedies. Okay, I, I how about in, that? Yeah, interesting. Speaking of which, you know that scene? Uh, I'll read it just. In full, this excerpt. When the gay partygoer who thinks Chance has suggested his interest in watching gay sex says, you wait here, I'll go get Warren, this may be a dig at Warren Beatty. Beatty's heterosexual activity was legendary, and the professional and personal relationship between him and Hal Ashby was at times uh, virulent. Virulent? I don't know what that word is. With Ashby refusing to see Beatty during the waning months of his life. So that was Ashby sticking it to old Warren Beatty. Wow. How interesting is that? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so there is some underrated comedy in there. There is some pretty good stuff. Sure. You wouldn't necessarily know that though, is the thing. Mm. Not going to get a laugh to people who, you know, 
who are sort of just casual viewers. Mm. Um, the uh, the the uh, the Roger Ebert review for this movie. I was reading it actually before you got here. I've been trying to read all the Roger Ebert reviews ahead of time. Did he like this one? He loved this movie. He named it one of his great movies. He um, he made an interesting point about artificial intelligence, <laughs> and he said that. Obviously, the Brechtel is it the no, not the Brechtel test. That's a different thing altogether. The um the, the Turing test. The Turing test. Yeah, Brechtel test is for women in movies. Yes, the <laughs> Turing test is to determine whether or not a piece of artificial intelligence is actually artificial intelligence. Can they have a conversation with a human being and the human being not know that they're talking to a computer? Yes, and Ebert makes the argument that Chance the Gardener is kind of that version of artificial intelligence essentially he has been preloaded with this little information from television Mm -hmm. of how human beings are supposed to act and he's just mimicking that action and no one knows that he is what he i mean because when you think about it there's nothing unusual about this character other than he's dim i mean it's not like he's faking anything no he's a real human being having real conversations and people respond so it poses this philosophical question of just because he's dumb (laughs) does that make what he's saying less relevant i mean if people respond to it what about him as a person is fraudulent i guess that's true what about him is fake nothing nothing about him is fake. nothing yet we still interpret the message of the movie to be that he's fake i know Right? Maybe is that the point? Is that what we're supposed to say? Don't know. Maybe, but I think that's sort of what Ebert was getting at here. If we don't know that we're talking to artificial intelligence, what the hell's the difference between a robot and a person? Mm. And if we don't know that Chance is just a gardener that grew up on an estate by himself, what difference does it make whether or not he's an economist? Sure. You know, it's yeah. it's an interesting it's an interesting question. Well, that's what I was saying about the media and how that affects us and how we take in our information and whatnot. Because the fact that the fact that the people essentially model everything they know politically off of this guy who literally knows everything from television, I mean, says a lot about our importance. Yes, <laughs> with something like the media, right, and television and what we get out of it. My point is, I'm not quite sure that we're supposed to laugh at Chauncey. I don't think we. I'm are. not quite sure we're supposed to think that he's full of shit. Because there might be something there. There's something to the honesty of that character and the directness of that character. It's a little more nuanced than just like a straight satire. Sure. I remember walking away from it and feeling a little disturbed by it in a way. Okay. There's a, there is a sense of bleakness to the fact that they accept him as wholeheartedly as they do. And maybe that was the point. Yeah, but why would that be a bad thing? We as an audience love him. I get it's it, my 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 takeaway is not I mean I I like him a lot but at the same time I'm I'm I don't necessarily have uh I don't necessarily feel good about liking him all the time. Wow. Yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah. I get you. It's just it's not like veep. Like it's <laughs> it's it's not just no, yeah. it's not just straight this person's an idiot. Look how funny it is that America accepts him. Okay. There's something more going on. And that's why I love this movie. Yes. I wholeheartedly love it. Um, yes. I think you could just talk about this end on end. I don't think there's ever going to be a definitive answer. No, yeah, which is what I like most about it. How, yeah, it's how, ambiguous. Again, it doesn't treat the audience like they're idiots. No, which, which you're is right. wonderful. You're 100% right. So it's a, it's, yes, this is, a, this is a great film that is kind of begging for, for uh, multiple viewings. The only thing is yes people like 
don't really watch it anymore. No. And that's upsetting. And it's probably the least culturally relevant movie on this list. Probably. Even, Honestly, yeah, you might be right. Even though it's one of the best, right? Yeah, I agree. So here's the deal, Adam. Yes. We talked about four movies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cross out all four right now. Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. Boom, boom. <laughs> whoa oh. <laughs> you almost reached for one that i was like whoa, whoa, whoa. No. what are you doing gone <laughs> they're gone we have two movies left one of these two movies will get in the movie hall of fame yeah sorry guys let's spare the formalities mm-hmm. all right it's alien or apocalypse now the great debate begins let's go with apocalypse now first cool directed by francis ford coppola Written by Francis Ford Coppola and John Milius. Based on the novel Hearts of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Mm-hmm. Starring Marlon Brando in a top billing for some reason. Martin Sheen, Robert Duvall, Lawrence Fishburne at the age of 14. Lawrence Wait. Fishburne was 14 in this movie. I know. What? Yes. What are you talking about? Yeah. He was 14. I know. I, I trust my IMDb fun facts. He I'm was 14. He lied about his age. 14. Okay. Mm. Uh, Harrison Ford. What the fuck? Pops up in a little bit. What the fuck? Yes, you heard me. (laughs) What? Lawrence Fishburne is 14 in this movie. That is so fucking weird. I can't. He looks like the oldest 14-year-old you've ever seen, right? (laughs) He's only 14. Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Dennis Hopper is also in it. That's true. (laughs) Number 14 on the sight and sound poll list of all-time best movies. That is the service that i guess pulls all international critics Mm -hmm. so every movie is available there not just american ones they called it the number 14 movie of all time afi puts it at number 28 on its 100 best movies list the quote i love the smell of napalm in the morning number 12 on that list one best cinematography and best sound at the oscars also nominated for best picture best supporting actor best director best adapted screenplay best art direction best film editing one of the most chaotic Shoots. productions maybe ever of all time yeah i would go probably the most cha- aside from maybe fitzcarraldo no not no, you know no not even no this is worse this is worse yeah the film hearts of darkness the documentary documents that in explicit detail. You ever seen that? Yes. Crazy movie. Bonkers yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is probably the worst. There is footage of Martin Sheen basically having a heart attack in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. You get to see that. You learn all about Marlon Brando showing up to this movie. Unprepared. Not only unprepared. He hadn't read the book. <laughs> refuses to memorize dialogue. <laughs> I love it. Tells Coppola, I'm not going to memorize this. I'm having a hard time memorizing <laughs> it's like, this. like, what? <laughs> so... Here's what they do for that final sequence. Again, uh, Brando's only in 15 minutes of this movie, basically. Mm -hmm. He, like, improvs. Yes. For, like, a day or two. And Coppola records all of it, cuts up the best dialogue, puts an earpiece in Brando's ear, and has him repeat his own dialogue. So that was all improvised, essentially. That scene. I've, the outtakes he comes up with are the. F- it's so great. <laughs> I swallowed a book. <laughs> I have no more dialogue for today. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? The, the bloodlust. It's my <laughs> feelings of people I've read about. It's like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Dennis Hopper was on so much coke. <laughs> Well, that's no surprise. As was Martin Sheen, as we said, almost had a heart attack. 
when he had the heart attack, apparently he was in the hospital when they did the ADR for the narration. So really, that narration, get this, not Martin Sheen. It's not? That is Martin Sheen's brother, who sounds exactly like him. Exactly like him. That is Martin Sheen's brother doing the voiceover. fucking weird. I know. Dude, there are a million stories uh, from the production of this movie. It is insane. There were dead bodies on set. I know. They dug up. So from what I understand, the suppliers of the dead bodies claimed that they were from a morgue. Turns out the guy who sold them the bodies was digging up people's graves and bringing the carcasses to the set of Apocalypse Now. Okay. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I have a million crazy <laughs> stories like this. All I will say is that the shoot was supposed to take place over six weeks, ended up taking place over 16 months. Yeah. Went well, way over budget, Yeah, obviously. Well, you know, you tend to go over budget when a fucking typhoon comes and washes away everything. <laughs> <laughs> Another great point. Jesus. This movie was a was a, a production disaster yeah you want it you want me to get into my thoughts about apocalypse now i would love it please okay brace yourselves because okay. you might want to strangle me but this is going to be it you're going to love the outcome here okay okay uh hmm let me just start off by saying that uh i don't give two shits about this movie's story as a matter of fact i don't particularly like this movie's story there it is it's about a guy being told to go kill some guy, get on a boat, go do it. Cool. Uh, I don't like the characters in this movie. I don't care about any of the characters in this movie. They don't matter to me. Any one of them could die. In fact, many of them do die, and I don't really budge. Don't really like the characters in this movie. And, and if we're getting into the thematic stuff, not a lot for me to learn from this movie that I haven't been told before. Uh, it's And it's not the type of film where I'm really... B- blown away by the stuff that it does say uh however i fucking love this movie <laughs> yeah i love everything about this movie <laughs> it's a horror movie yes that's the thing this yeah it is terrifying yes this movie and, and similar to the sensation you get when you're watching a horror movie, mm-hmm. you don't always like the characters that are dying, but my God, are you invested when they do die? This is a descent into hell. Mm-hmm. I, man, I might call it, if we're going to get loose, the best horror movie of all time. Obviously, <laughs> not by definition. Well, there's another movie on this list, but we'll get to that. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, but... Like, this movie goes into the depths of the human soul that make you so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Every twist and turn of this movie. Here's the thing. Essentially, as you described, the plot is, in, is, is bare bones. Yep. It is simple. You put Martin Sheen on a boat with a bunch of soldiers, and they head down a river. Yep. And the further down the river they get, the, the closer to hell they get. There's literally references to Dante's Inferno. That's exactly what it is. All throughout. I mean, the, the, the part where they're crossing over the... the it's... The, the Da Nang Bridge, I think, is what it's called. Yeah, you know that sequence. That's oh, that's such a freaky fucking sequence. Mm-hmm. But when uh, the the people are coming out to the boat and they're swimming over to the boat to try to get on it, that's literally ripped straight from Dante's Inferno. Right. And so the whole time you're sitting there rooting for them to turn around. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Stop. The amount of time you see these native people shooting bow and arrows at you. It's crazy. 
you 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 getting have, attacked by get, tigers and shit. You have ti- You have <laughs> they mowed down a Vietnam family. It's like everything is going wrong. Leave. Fuck the mission. Get out of here. But they keep going, and the further they go, the worse it gets, mm-hmm. and it sends shivers down your spine. Yeah, every time I still I've seen this movie. God, I don't know, fifteen times in my life. I haven't seen it that on cable. I watch it every time it's on TV. I can't take my hand, my eyes off of it. Every time I see it, it horrifies me even more. Mm-hmm. It is, it is so, and it's bad on every level. The stuff with Duvall at the beginning too. Yep. That ain't all sunshine and rainbows either. It's a really horrifying look at what war is supposed to be, but more specifically, what war does to you inside, not outside. I and, and the fact that they are able to convey that through film is a miracle. It is oh, a miracle with with everything that they went through. I barely consider this a war film. Yes, it's not. It's it's not a war film to me even at all. It just so happens to take place during Vietnam, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this is one of those excellent examples of a film where um, it doesn't really matter what you do, just get the presentation right. This is a film where presentation almost alone saves it. Yeah. Because I'm watching it, and if I'm really getting like, 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 like strict about it, I can see that it's a chaotic production based on the way they structure everything and based on the way that scenes play out. How sometimes there really is no start or end sometimes. It's just, here's another crazy thing that happens with these characters. Deal with it. Yeah. It happens constantly. I mean, there's always, you know, uh, structured set pieces, but what happens inside those set pieces is like this weird, sometimes malformed thing that ultimately builds to something just, 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 just sickening. Mm. I love it. But like I said, Francis Ford Coppola somehow just knew how to present all these elements and maybe is is something perfectly. I don't know. I don't know how he did this. I really don't know. He was almost fired from the project a bunch of times, obviously. It's a it's a miracle that this movie is as good as it is. There's no way a movie should be this good. John Milius himself said, I guess his inspiration for writing the script was that he was in a screenwriting class in college. Uh, The 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 book Hearts of Darkness, I believe is from the late 1800s, early 1900s the Joseph Conrad novel, I believe the professor said no one will ever be able to adapt this movie in screenplay form. It is just too difficult. And so John Milius took that as a challenge and ended up making it about the Vietnam War. Um, And you're right. It is so ambitious, but also what they're going after is so abstract. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Platoon is documentary. Yeah. Right? That is, I am in Vietnam with these soldiers. This is the horrifying shit that happens to them. It's a little stylized, but it is presented to you. These are the facts. Similarly, um, Full Metal Jacket does uh, uh, kind of the same thing. Apocalypse Now is a pure psychological thriller that all exists in your head. Yes, this is a trippy film, by the way. It, It all exists in your head. And the fact that they're able to do this with the backdrop of war, it's never been done like that since i don't think anybody has done it certainly not as effectively as apocalypse now has this is a film it's like this is what i'm talking about with like when people talk about style over substance yeah and why i sometimes i just point to sometimes style is everything in a way this is kind of all style when you think about what they went through and not not entirely i'm not yeah but in essence that's pretty much what they needed in, in order to pull this film off it would not have worked without the, the level of excessive style that they're using in this film and the level of ambition that they need. Because otherwise, there's not much there, if you're asking me. Yeah, um, well... There really is not yeah, much... Yeah, okay, so you don't respond as as much to the Brando monologues at the end, I no. guess. 
Like you just find that to be a lot of hippie mumbo jumbo. Some of, not all of it, but I think it, part of the part of the reason why I I think I end up responding to it that way is because of how pathetic he is when uh, uh, he's just kind of sitting there in the corner recording his stuff alone in his little cave, and then Martin Sheen comes and kills him. Yeah, it just makes it spoiler. The, yeah. Well, that's just the note. Also, the intercutting of the the cow being oh great, Jesus! With the end playing and the oh, I love that so much. By the way, that intro uh, here was another fun fact I, I came about. Man, you should watch this documentary, by the way, and read all you can about yeah. it. It's crazy. Um, that opening sequence with the Doors, the end, the song, the end by the Doors playing. I guess that was just extra footage that was on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Like they just had this these aerial shots of Vietnam and stuff, and so he just like Brando, I'm sorry, Coppola pieced it together and then just threw the Doors song because he thought it was funny that the song "The End" would be playing at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> so that's all that is. It's one of my like favorite opening shots. Yeah, and it's ever. it's it's great. Like so much of this shit was by accident, which and it's it it is a great lesson. And we talked about this, I think, a little bit when we talked about us, but it's something that we come back to a lot. When you're sort of just feeling your way through filmmaking and you let inspiration strike and you sort of put it ahead of the intellectual yeah. stuff. Well, this isn't a, a piece of art in right. its purest form. This is this is not someone necessarily like trying to force an agenda at all, really. It's yeah. just someone crafting something. And what's what's created out of that craftsmanship is amazing. Have you ever seen, by the way, a lot of Werner talk on this podcast. Right. Have you ever seen Aguare? The Wrath of God. I have not, actually. So apparently that is what inspired a lot of the shots in this movie. It's okay. a similar storyline, and um, I guess there is a guy actually heading down a river, and a lot of the filmmaking is borrowed from that. Okay. So I there see, you go. Werner. I need to see it. Yeah. Werner. Always, always inserting his head into these classic movies. Um, Look, man. Coppola is not in the conversation as one of the best directors of all time. He's never one of the five names that you bring up, but like he made three of the 20 best movies ever, I know. in my opinion. And I think it's kind of silly that he's not brought up in that conversation. Yeah. You know? Which is weird. Good people do, some, do a similar, almost like an opposite thing with uh, James Dean. Yeah. Like they consistently consider him one of the best actors of all time. And he literally made only three movies. Yeah. Right. So, so like, yeah, you're right. It's almost like if Coppola just did the two Godfathers. And the conversation and Apocalypse Now, because those were the four he did in a row, mm-hmm. and then died, he'd be a legend. Yeah, I but agree. it's only because he made Jack. Yeah, with Robin Williams. You know what? Dracula's not that bad. Okay, I've not never that, seen that Dracula. Not that bad. Okay. Um, yeah, we're we're on the same page with Apocalypse Now. Yes, it's fantastic. What okay. do you want me to say? <laughs> I mean, what the that's... hell do you want me to say? <laughs> There's nothing to say. It's a miracle. That movie is a miracle. It should not exist in its form, but it does. Yes. Yes, I agree. It's one of my favorite behind-the-scenes stories ever. And uh, I would... Could you imagine a movie about the making of Apocalypse Now? That would be interesting. Oh, my God, yeah. Scripted one? I want to see more movies like that. I want to see one for the making of Alien 3, and I want to see one for the making of Apocalypse Now even more so. Yeah, that I mean, we've we spent so much time talking about the making of The Room. Like, who can't, like fucking... Yeah, yeah. This is so much more interesting. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, man. The fact... <laughs> refuse to memorize lines like what i'd be like what are you even on man (laughs) 
What does that mean? But that's how good of an actor he yeah. is. They paid him a million dollars for 15 minutes and he was top billed. It's like, what are you going to do? He's the greatest actor to literally walk the face of the planet. <laughs> There's no greater actor than Marlon Brando, but he hated acting so much. What a fascinating human being. Yeah. The greatest, his, I think, right? Is there any argument? What? The greatest actor? Actor, yeah. Uh, Lawrence Olivier is better. No, nah, 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 he's not. Yes, he is. Stop. Yep. Stop. No, nah, Lawrence Olivier. Stop. Lawrence Olivier. Stop. That, that's okay. No, Lawrence Olivier is the, is the greatest stage actor of all time. Brando is the greatest screen actor. I'm just going actor. Time. Oh, screen actor? Maybe. Is the greatest screen actor. Lawrence Olivier is the best stage actor, but they're doing different shit, man. Not necessarily. Brando, like, invented method. Yes, that's true. We only have method acting because of Marlon Brando. I sometimes criticize method acting, though. I sometimes side with Lawrence Olivier. Just act, as he just said on the set of Marathon Man. I don't disagree with him. <laughs> just try acting. It's like, you could, yeah, why don't you pretend? I love Ian McKellen's take. It similarly kind of believes the same thing. It's great. Yeah. All right, one more movie. Yep. This is your favorite movie of all time. Would you just admit to it? Enough. You want me to come out of the closet? Come out of the damn closet, (laughs) would you? I'm sick of this routine with you every time. Uh, I'm not. I only bring it up once every five times I see Nico, but you won't admit to it. It's your favorite movie. Enough. Well, it is. Well, we all have our favorites. This is your favorite. Well. Yeah, your, yeah, sure. Okay. Directed by Ridley Scott, written by Dan O'Bannon, uh, starring Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, mm-hmm. Harry Dean Stanton, and John Hurt. That's correct. Won the Oscar for Best Visual Effects, mm-hmm. nominated for Best Art Direction, number six on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Thrills list, mm-hmm. and number seven on their all-time sci-fi list. Yep. In space, no one can hear you scream at them all. One of, if not the greatest tagline ever. One of. Why do you love Alien so much? Well, this film, uh, I saw at a time when I was probably too young to see it. Actually, I was way too young to see it. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, And it just kind of changed my life. (laughs) This is one of those films, and I've talked about this before, but uh, before Alien, uh, uh, I I didn't really get what made movies special. I just saw them, and I thought that they were fun, and I never really reflected on them. And as a matter of fact, I didn't like seeing people die in films. It really mm. bothered me when I saw people die. But then Alien comes around, and I'm like, oh, God, it, it matters when people die. Oh, there's a reason for it. Oh, it actually, there's significance to what's going on. Oh, this film visually is, is saying more than just, hey, look at this cool thing on screen. Um, and... It stuck with me probably more than any film I'd ever seen. And at that point, I had seen like Jurassic Park and all those other great, you know, films, the Toy Story, whatever. Uh, and yeah, like I said, it just kind of changed me. It made me fall in love with film. And it's, um, it's, it's maybe, I don't know if there's a film that has stuck with me as viscerally as Alien, if that makes sense. Okay. And a lot of that is attributed to the, like, like pinpoint direction. It's also attributed to just, one of the greatest atmospheres ever constructed in a movie. 
and something that I feel is actually quite timeless on rewatch. I really love it. Assuming you can get behind the pace of the film, I think it's... Why? You say it's a little slow? Some people think it's slow, but I think it's absolutely necessary to build... Yeah, I don't agree with that. Yeah, no, I, that's the thing. In terms of like building tension to a moment, to the things that ultimately happen in this film, I don't know if any film has done it better. I actually like the, the build-up scenes in this more than something like Jaws. Mm. Uh, and yes, this is... Um, Oh, Jesus. I could go on. This has got some of the best performance, some of my favorite natural performances of any actors ever. It's weird because I was watching this with my brother not so long ago, and he made an interesting point about how he's like, Adam, was this written? I was like, well, yeah, of course it was. He's like, they do not seem like they're acting, like hmm. at all. There's something about their delivery and their mannerisms and the way they talk to one another that just seems more natural than anything I've ever seen before. And I'm like, yeah, I completely agree with you. They're just space truckers. And it's wonderful. Right. And there's there's a quaintness to what happens in this film that makes it so eerie and just unsettling and the feeling of isolation and this vast nothingness of space. It's like I again, it's like I'm I never like got such genuine feelings from a film before. And it's just like you 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 just don't see that in movies very very often anymore. Let me read you an Ebert excerpt now that oh you brought God. up the cast. Okay. And I loved this point that he wrote. None of them are particularly young. Tom Skerritt, the captain, was 46. Hurt was 39, but looked older. Holm was 48. Harry Dean Stanton was 53. Yapet Koto was 42. And only Veronica Cartwright at 30 and Weaver at 29 were in the age range of the usual thriller cast. Mm -hmm. Many recent action pictures have improbably young actors cast as key roles or sidekicks. But by skewing older, Alien achieves a certain texture without uh, without even making a point of it. Yep. These are not adventurers, but workers mm-hmm. hired by a company to return 20 million tons of ore to Earth. It's not like they're going out for a fun romp in space. Yep. They're out there to do a job. job. It's just, yeah. And this is what happens when the job goes bad. And so there's like a real professionalism to what these guys do. And as you said, a, a realism that uh, is is so palpable. Yeah. Um, there are no heroes in this film. It's yeah. like you and I go up into space and we have to do a job. Right. And I love that. Right. I mean, I also have to point out, obviously, if we're, if we're, if we're, we're going to bring this up eventually, this was the scariest film I'd ever seen when I first saw it. Yeah. Especially the ventilation shaft scene, which yeah. still freaks me the fuck out every oh, yeah. time I see it. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, it's an interesting film because it transcends its genre. It's not only it, it goes. It's not only one of the best sci-fi films ever made. It's also one of the best horror films ever made, and it's also one of the best movies, period, ever made. Yep, never happens. Never, yep. ever, ever, ever happens. So I saw this movie later in life than you did. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when I was nineteen. Really? Yeah. Wow. Late college. It was late. Wow. I grew up not liking horror movies. <laughs> First, because I. I don't think I was allowed to watch them when mm-hmm. I was young. Maybe that was like part of it, and I think, and also I was a pussy, but you know, <laughs> which is okay. Potato, you don't have, you don't have but, to like horror films. Potato, potato. So I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I saw I saw this movie late, and it um, opened my eyes to the world of horror. Is really what it did. I saw it, and I was like, "Wow, I need to man up, and I need to watch horror movies mm-hmm. because I'm missing." something if they can all be half as good as alien Mm -hmm. i need to watch them some serious art here yeah like really really quality stuff yeah you are so right it holds up it's shockingly well because of the amount of movies that have mimicked it 
Oh my god. Which is what's so because literally everybody rips off this movie. The entire final girl idea comes from this movie. Well, it's this there's like only like two other films that got made that were that ripped off the final girl element at the time. It's essentially alien you have uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Alien. Those are the three. Right. That's about it. Right. And so this is one of the original ver- when was Halloween? When did that come out? 78. 78 and Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw was, was 77, I believe. Oh, okay, so all within. Yes, exactly. all right. Well, so you can't point. really attribute one as crediting. Okay, no. but if you think about all of the movies that have come since that are direct descendants of Alien, I see them all. I just watched one the other week called uh, Pandorum, and it was great. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty good. What, what, or, you know, it's another great one is The Descent. Sure, which you need to fucking see. By the way, that movie's amazing. The Descent. Um, there's this movie coming out by. Um, the oh man, I'm blanking on the name of the French woman, the director uh, Claire Denis. Claire Denis is doing one. Yeah, that comes out. It's like Brad Pitt in it or something. I know. Isn't it Robert Pattinson? I thought. I, I'm not sure. High Life. I, yeah, yeah. I think it actually might be in theaters now. Really? Because she directed a film that was pretty good called White Material. Maybe Brad Pitt's doing another space movie. Maybe. But, okay. But then I would also attribute Life, which came out a couple of years. Life, ago. Exact. I see a new Alien ripoff every every three months. I know. You we know? see alien films getting released. Some of them are good, like Aliens. Some of them are bad, like Alien Covenant. Yeah, eight but, movies in the franchise. Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Alien vs. Predator, Alien vs. Predator, Requiem, <laughs> Prometheus, Alien Covenant. Um, all those movies are basically action movies. <laughs> yeah, pretty which, much. Which is the thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, if you want to call Alien 3 an action film, it's the most depressing action film ever made. Okay. But, you know. It's it's sort of weird that the franchise became that. And by the way, Aliens is an incredible action movie. Awesome, but th- the movies began as horror. Yeah, uh, and it's easy to forget that. You know. Well, that's why I I, I mean I part of the thing that I I love so much about this one is that it actually sticks out more than almost any other entry in the series. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> Alien Three kind of is is more in that vein because that's more of a straightforward horror film. Even though it's not that scary, it's certainly is. Uh, it goes into the bleak realm. That Alien never really explored. So it, it's, it's, there's nothing like, I mean, there's a couple action y scenes, but yeah, they're, they're, they're few and far. Well, they're certainly less frequent than something like Aliens. Yeah. And I don't want to sell Aliens short, but I do have to admit that I was, when I looked at the traje- uh, trajectory of the Alien films, I would have much rather had seen more quality horror that we got out of Alien than maybe just the action films that we got for Aliens. Cause then you get Resurrection and that's a piece of shit. Yeah. So, um, I want to ask you a question real quick about the sexual imagery in it. Oh God! <laughs> so this is a topic that comes up a lot when you're researching the movie. Mm-hmm. This is Dan O'Bannon himself who wrote the movie. Here's you know quote. what he wrote it about. I know this. Well, I'll tell you this. One thing that people are all disturbed about is sex. Mm-hmm. I said that's how I'm going to attack the audience. I'm going to attack them sexually. And it's not going to go after. I'm not going to go after the wom- the women in the audience. I'm going to attack the men. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put them in every image I can think of to make the men in the audience cross their legs. Mm-hmm. Homosexual oral rape, birth. The thing lays eggs down your throat. The whole number. Yep. That's a an interesting reading that I think makes total sense in hindsight. 
and I wanted to get your take on it. Oh, it's absolutely. It's okay. not even. Cl- it's it's like blatantly obvious to me anyway. Okay. And I noticed that originally when I saw the alien's head, I was like, "Well, that's a penis." Yeah. And the way it kills you is with its tongue. Mm-hmm. The way, like you said, it impreg- impregnates you with this vaginal-looking thing, but that has a, like another dick coming out of it <laughs> that it puts down your throat. <laughs> it attacks your face again orally, and it kills you by birth. And again, and uh, if you look at um, if you look at one of the extended cuts of the film, another way it, it 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 takes advantage of you is that it harvests you and turns you into into an egg. Right. This is a film uh, thematically about intrusion. Yeah. Which goes hand in hand with the rape allegory, which is what why this film is so scary <laughs> because it gets under your skin in the most unnatural way. Uh, but again, it's a very, like I said before, a very real and visceral horror of the world that we just identify with immediately when we see it, yeah. which is why this film got under so many people's skins. Horribly disturbing. Yes. Horribly disturbing. Really fucking disturbing. I think the face hugger actually might be the most disturbing part of the movie. You should have seen Abby when we watched this. Oh. She, she's not afraid. She's, she's afraid of spiders. Was she not there? So <laughs> I, the first time I watched it, I watched it as a part of movie night. She claims she wasn't there, but you, I, you see, she doesn't, I don't know if she remembers whether or not she was there. Okay. Because but, Zach was there and Zach has this memorable story of when he threw a water bottle on me and it was the scariest moment of my life. Oh. I was watching the movie underneath the blanket. <laughs> I was so terrified and he just threw a little water bottle. Ah! Yep. It was awful. Uh, Harrison Ford turned down the role of Captain Dallas. I'm glad. Yeah, I agree with that. He, he would have been too distracting. Uh, the movie Memory, The Orange, Origins of Alien um, is a documentary that comes out later this year. I'll see it, even though I feel like I know everything about this production. But... Tells you all about that. And also the H.R. Giger production design obviously swiss oh artist hr giger was the inspiration for the design of the alien weird weird lovecraftian stuff but it's just so it's perfect it's yeah. the most like alien design you could possibly come up with and that's the other thing is we're talking about production design it's like unlike anything i'd ever seen just their use of miniatures and certain special effects on on a, on a small scale too it's yep. not not like an, an enormous film no when you, when you actually look at it it's not star wars but what they pull off with very very little is just great. And again, part of the part of the it's like it's like they have enough money but they don't have quite enough and that like nice gray area that they're living in makes the the effects feel all the more nasty and yeah. visceral because of that. I love it's one of the things I love about low budget films is because they it, they almost don't even need to try. <laughs> yep. And it's just ooh, it's great. And it, this movie's so claustrophobic too. It's got one of my favorite views of uh, the sci- uh, a sci-fi future where it's just not nice. Mm-hmm. There's nothing pleasant about it at all. You don't want to be in this future. It's great. It just makes it scarier and more effective. Yeah, those are the two best movies of the year. Yes, by far. Alien and Apocalypse Now. I, I would actually say those are the only two great movies. But I don't. I don't throw around the word "great" all that often. You mean like really great? I mean great. Yes. I mean put in the pantheon, movie hall of fame, great. Yes. It's those two. Yes, I agree. Two, I agree. Of, two of the best movies we've talked about so far on this series. I agree. I agree. I agree. Right. So which one's getting in? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know which one I want to get in, and I also know which one I want to get in. So let's talk this out, shall okay. we? Okay, let's be okay. let's be blunt about this. You love Alien, I love Apocalypse. Now we're gonna have to fight about this. Well, we might not have to fight, but we'll try. Okay, we'll try not to. Our three criteria are quality, legacy, and impact. 
and here we hit a bit of a a bit of a boulder. We do. Because I will not entertain the fact that Alien is a better movie than Apocalypse Now, and I might. I I I can't get there. I can get there. I love Alien. I, I do. I lo- This is not one of my normal anti-Adam votes. Yes. <laughs> you have to understand though. Like I am. I love Alien. Yes. Any other year, it's getting in. Like it might even get an overraging bull. Like it might. Like yeah. that's how much I love it. Like I would put it. Uh, what did we put in Rosemary's Baby a couple weeks? Oh ago? God, it's much better. My God, like three of these movies get in over Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. Um. So, don't get me wrong. Love Alien. Apocalypse Now is a masterpiece. What they attempt there, I, again, that shouldn't be possible. I mean that that movie is a miracle. I I, I don't yes. put that lightly. No, and and, and it's and it's, it's all hard. That's the thing. It's hard to make. Yes, I wouldn't say that Alien's not hard to make. I'm not either. saying that either, but it's harder. Sure. I I will say this though about Apocalypse Now is that I th- think about Alien is that to me it's about as close to as a perfect film as you could get. There's not many things about it that I would criticize that I think I don't think it gets anything wrong, and that's very rare for me to say. I agree with that. Whereas like there are things in Apocalypse Now where I'm like I said before, I I could take or leave the characters, I could take or leave the story, I could take or leave half the things that they are saying to me. So the film re- is is solely dependent on how they present the story for us. And in that way, it's, it's incredibly fascinating to watch. But to me, that's it. If it wasn't, it, 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 I, I can't ignore the fact that, yes, for me at least, Alien has better characters. It has a, and for me, even though it's a simple story... Not better performances, though. No. I disagree with that. You think Sigourney Weaver in this is better than Marlon I think, Brando? I think all of them are better. I, and this is what I'm talking about. And this is this is where we're gonna clash on that. Nah, yeah, nah, not more iconic. Nah, well, baby. aside from Sigourney, she might be more iconic. But oh no, I might. Yeah, Alien might be more iconic. But dude, I, man, I, I that's interesting but, that we're that we're we're pushing up against this. I think Brando is brilliant in this movie, full stop. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I know, like, so you're you're sort of criticizing it for being a lot of showy bullshit. And I, I just don't feel that way. There's not, no, I don't say it's a lot of showy bullshit, but I can, when I see the movie, I'm like, like it does from time to time sound like the filmmakers are just kind of talking out of their ass to get a movie made. I do get that impression every so often, which is not, that's kind of my, all that jazz philosophy, which is fine. But like, yeah, like, I don't, it, I don't feel that way. It's a little more obvious to me in something like Apocalypse Now. Well, let me put it this way: the end product, though, I don't think is hurt. No, like, even if they no. are speaking out of their asses, I still think that it delivers on an effective product. It's not distracting, which is important, right? So you also have to question too what the methodology is. Like a lot of that, does it matter how the sausage is made if it's ultimately a good sausage? Yes, and I don't, I don't think it does. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. So again, I just think. They are they are attempting. We are. I, I'm only grading this on difficulty. I'm I'm grading this like a gymnastics routine, <laughs> as I try to do a lot when we're talking quality. I'm trying to be objective. It is a harder routine. Apocalypse now is pulling off, and they pull it off masterfully. And I feel the same way about Alien, but it's it's a little easier. It's a, it's a, a little, little it's a little easier of a movie. I don't necessarily think I want to give it the the up just because you know this one was a disaster to make. Or, you know, it's amazing that they finished it. I have to admit, it's real. No, it is a miracle that this film exists. Yeah, 
it's it's hard for me to take away just the efficiency and just like like sheer perfection that you get out of Alien though. It's like technically I would almost call Alien the better film in that way. That's the that and that's the problem. But at the same time, I also agree with your with what you're saying. No, I really do. Yeah. To the point where it's like fuck, like you can't really ignore just the 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 magnitude of just how impressive Apocalypse Now is in the context of what happened when they were making that and what the final also, product how was. how good it looks. Yeah. Like how incredible it looks. Yeah. Like there are shots, there are, as you said, there's like three iconic sequences in Alien. There might be more than three in Apocalypse Now. Like you have the, you have the air ventilation scene, you have the chest burst scene. The derelict ship scene is pretty iconic. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the, the egg it's also very accurate. all right i guess yeah but in apocalypse now you have the raid on the vietnamese village you have i love the smell of napalm in the morning you have the horror uh you have all of the narration going down the river you have as i said that confrontation with the family that lawrence fishburne guns down mm-hmm. uh, i mean both are i would even cite but it, in alien like like the, the finale where she's in the closet I see that referenced frequently. Yeah. And I see that that whole ending just, just mimicked to no end. Yeah. And uh, this, this is where I, I have to butt in and say more people have based their, or not based their films, but more people have taken inspiration, I think, from Alien than Apocalypse Now. I don't think people dare. Okay, I might give you that. However, I think that, so if you want to take impact, that's fine. But I don't, I think Apocalypse Now certainly has a better legacy. I think it is more well-remembered. I disagree. Mm-mm. No. I don't, no, no. Just the movie itself, quoted, visually uses a motif. Sure. You don't think it's, it, it is held up more. People reference Apocalypse Now all the time. The Flight of the Valkyrie theme. <laughs> over. I mean, come on. In media, I think it's pretty... This is the problem. I think in media, it's pretty fucking close. I really, in the, this is what I was saying when I said we, we hit a boulder, because I really don't know the answer for any single one of these. I really don't honestly know the answer to any single one of these. I can't honestly tell you which is a better film. I can't honestly tell you which has the greater legacy. And I can't honestly tell you which has the greater impact. People I know, at least in pop culture, tend to be, from my experience, tend to be a little more fond of Alien from those who I've asked. And I mean, I mean, we can't cite our Twitter polls, <laughs> but Alien won finally. That was nice. yeah. I'll, I'll, I will cite the Twitter poll, by the way. Yeah, I'll pull the. And no, this is not no. <laughs> for future reference. Yeah. <laughs> this is not taken as any sort of usable metric. No, 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 no. no. To be very clear, however, I did ask the Twitter mob. I am only allowed to put four options. We got twenty-seven votes. Uh, Alien Apocalypse, now the Muppet movie, and Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, Kramer versus Kramer got zero votes. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Apocalypse Now, 30%. Muppet Movie, 33%. Alien, 37%. All three were separated by one vote. So it was a virtual tie. But we did have an interesting comment. Yes. Which was Muppet Movie over Alien, no fucking way. (laughs) Yes. Right. Exactly. Which, fair. No, and I'm not, we're not arguing about Muppet Movie. We're arguing about Apocalypse Now and Alien. Mm hmm. Um,. Like, both are just masterpieces, yes. Adam. Both are masterpieces of the big screen. So I'm only... Okay, L- let me put it this way. If they're both masterpieces, then legacy and impact is kind of null and void. Yes. You have to just judge what's the better movie. I don't know which is the better movie. And I think on difficulty level alone, I'm, 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 I'm holding the line on Apocalypse now. And I will say Apocalypse Now has more noticeable flaws. 
You're you're judging difficulty a movie that is fantastic, but some seems to a film that's perfect, but maybe not necessarily as hard to make. But that's not saying it's not hard to make. You know, it's like where do we balance this? Right, let me ask you a question: Are we going to budge on this at all? Here's what I'm going to say. Okay. Here's what might make you come to my side on this. All right. It's not the best Francis Ford Coppola film. Correct. And your favorite film is going to win. Well, duh. <laughs> so because... Well, fucking duh. What does yes, that mean? Yes. So... Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with this. So, then this is what I'm saying. I don't think we can definitively answer any single one of these. Wait a minute. I don't think we can definitively answer Time any single one of these. Time the fuck out. Are you, wait a minute. You're saying that the presence of the Godfather on the Movie Hall of Fame means we should let Ridley Scott in <laughs> for Alien. No. That's what you're saying? I'm not talking about... Well, Ri- Coppola's already represented with the greatest movie of all time! I'm not talking about Ridley Scott or Francis Ford Coppola. Well, that is what we're talking about. I'm talking... No, I'm talking about your favorite movie here, okay? Yes. For 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 our purposes, like I said, because I'm not going to budge on this one at all. I, I'm reading that. And since your favorite film is going to win... Do, uh, do me a solid and let me have my favorite film on our uh, fucking movie hall of fame list how's that oh i see let you're me pl- have my favorite you're playing that card yeah <laughs> all right counter offer sir <laughs> counter offer <laughs> you know what the slate of next week's movies are going to be or yes. you at least know what the, the year is going to be mm. if you give me full autonomy over that year i will let you have alien this year Full autonomy? I get to choose next week. You can influence my decision making as much as you want. I get to choose next week. Okay. Deal? Deal. Handshake. Alien, welcome to the Movie Hall of Fame. I feel okay. Buckle in for next week. (laughs) You just gave me the keys to the mansion. What would you... No, it's it's gotta be obvious. Get ready. Oh, no. Oh, I know what he's gonna do. (laughs) Fuck! Oh, God. No, you're not going to do it. No, you're not. No, you're not. Okay, okay. Long way away between now and next week. A lot can change. All right. All right. A worthy entry, Alien. Thank you, by the worthy. way. You're welcome. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to fight you on Alien. It's an amazing movie. I'm not going to fight you on that. I just think Apocalypse Now is a masterpiece. That's all. Let me put it this way. Let me tell you what my brother said. He saw Apocalypse Now for the first time yeah. a month ago. Doesn't see a lot of movies. He comes up to me. He goes, that's the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Cool. And he said that sincerely. He it, goes, no, and then he asked me, why isn't Coppola the greatest director of all time? And I go, fair point. Nothing wrong with that. Like, I get it. Yeah. I honest, And that's the problem. Sometimes we just run into years where movies are that good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yes. This was a stacked year, and uh, Apocalypse Now will be back eventually. Yes. yes no I agree. About it. it should be, and this is the, the sad part, is that it should be on this list. It really should be. Okay. Do you have a list of movies prepared for the next year, sir? Yeah, I got a few. Okay. Come up to the mic. Yeah, I got a few. There we go. Next year, we are doing the year 1992. Good year. Let me just pull it up. A very strong year. Uh, And we're going to draft the six selections so you guys can catch up at your own leisure. And you can watch along with us as we talk about these movies. Um, I want to go first this time. Okay. Okay. So... Because you always go first, and I'm sick of it. Oh my god, Alien Three came out in '92. Uh oh, no, better. D- don't worry about it. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, please. 
Uh, Unforgiven, okay. obviously. Um, oh, Dracula also came out. Cool. I didn't know that. Wow. Hmm. All right. Give me Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. <laughs> Give me. I just want this on here. Give me Basic Instinct. Wow, bold choice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um. Mm. Uh, all right. I guess I'll go a few good men, and you can you can make the last call then. Yeah, a few good men. Okay. Uh, yeah, I knew you were gonna do that, but mm. I got three choices, and maybe you'll agree. Let me let me list the three for you, just so you don't miss any. I have left on my list: Aladdin, A League of Their Own, and The Last of the Mohicans. Aladdin. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's a good list. Yes, it is. All right, good. Uh, next week, be prepared. We will induct yet another movie into the Movie Hall of Fame. Aladdin, Reservoir Dogs, Glengarry, Glen Ross, Unforgiven, A Few Good Men, and Basic Instinct. And guess what? Nico's got the keys to the Corvette, baby. <laughs> Get ready. You're living in my world now, Adam Hall. Ooh. You're living in my world. So you get to pick just on, on 1992. You get to guess. And you can influence as much as you want. Argue on behalf of your movies. Okay. But I'm at the trigger. Damn. And by the way, I got a hell of a trigger figure. You <laughs> You don't know what I'm capable of. No, I don't. You don't know how crazy I am. I don't think you dare uh, include anything beyond Reservoir Dogs. You wouldn't do it. We'll see. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you made a deal with the devil, my if friend. If Glengarry, Glenn Ross You made wins. a deal with the devil. Oh, my God. Coffee's if, for closers, baby, and you did not close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good job. This has been... Do you have a quote prepared? Of course I do. All right, good. Oh, you remember to do it this time? Yeah. Uh, check out the website toomanythoughtsmedia.com or tmt.media for more two-hour-long podcasts. Uh, we did a really long deep dive into the movie Pass Through by Neil Breen mm-hmm. on this week's Why Is This a Thing? One of the more fun podcasts we had done in a while. We had a riot doing that one. So check that out on the website. That's Why Is This a Thing? Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. The show's Culture, Nico Show, Two Cents Radio. They're all up there as well. Give it a look, tmt.media. Give us a follow on Twitter as well, and participate in our Twitter polls. I'll be posting the poll a few days before we record next week's podcast. You can let your opinion be known. What was indeed the best movie of 1992? Aladdin, Reservoir Dogs, Glengarry, Glenn Ross, Unforgiven, A Few Good Men, Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. That's that. You are what on Twitter? I am at some Adam Hall. All right. Sounds good to me. Pretty good. I think we call that a podcast. That is a podcast and a half. That was. <laughs> I'd say almost about two podcasts. What the hell? How long was this one? Hour 53. Jesus Christ. I know. We get long-winded sometimes. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. I don't care if it's obvious. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. 